everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. I'm so excited today to be here to be talking about the uh, our favorite anime, animated films from the last decade, the 2010 to 2019. And there's been a lot of animated films. It's been a busy time uh, for, the, for the medium. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and I have two very special guests that are going to help to have this discussion. I have uh, my good friend Mike from Cartoon Karma is here, and thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Yes. And then I also have my fellow YouTuber, Ryan Cam is here. First time I think on the, on the podcast and Ryan, thanks so much for, for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is my first time and hopefully not the last. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. So what we did is we each came up with our top five. Uh, and was this a difficult uh, task for you or did you pre pretty much have your top five uh, ready to go? What about you, Mike? Yeah, I thought it would be more difficult, but honestly, they just sort of dropped into my lap. They fell out of the sky, you know? I was uh -huh. surprised as you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Ryan? It was very difficult for me because I, uh, I was pouring through IMDb lists of top animated films of the 2010s, and I'm like, loved that, loved that, loved that, definitely loved that. Like, if this list were expanded to 25, like I would not be spoiled for choice or mm -hmm. I would be spoiled for choice, yeah. but cutting it to five, it was, it was borderline heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing I think maybe we take for granted a little bit now is that there's just so much volume of animated films uh, of all films, all, all uh, different types. Uh, there's so many. I, I, I think back way back into the day in the eighties when I was a kid, and we uh, we would get one or two a year <laughs> animated films, and and here we're you know we get on a regular basis uh, over 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 thirty uh, that get a decent rollout. You know it's it's pretty pretty amazing, and uh, so there's a lot to choose from. <laughs> I, I suppose another thing that makes this uh, decade especially good in that regard is in pretty much every previous one you really only had Disney and Slash or Pixar that really provided the good stuff you know the stuff that most people loved but this is the yeah. first time that you know we have several studios producing uh, lots of good or great work consistently you know it's a uh, on the one hand obviously you do have a lot of uh, commercial producty tripe I I'd be very surprised if any of us pick anything from Illumination for one thing right but, <laughs> uh, but on the other hand you have uh, as I say, lots of studios producing great work. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And uh, yeah, in the past, uh, animation was kind of a, always a two two horse race. Uh, whether it was you know Don Bluth and Disney, or DreamWorks and Disney, uh, or Warner Brothers and Disney, you know, depending on the era. Uh, and now it is a lot more uh, splintered up, which is nice. It's I'm a lot pretty more sure. Diverse. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we were doing this list for the 2000s, uh, most of us, our lists would just be dominated by Pixar films. For the 90s? No, no, 2000s. Oh, 2000s, yeah, for sure. And and Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, for oh, me. oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. That, that's a fair point. Yeah, um, that was a strong time for them. But, um, but yeah, so, all right. Well, I'm going to start uh, in my number five is uh spider-man into the spider-verse 
So Sony animation coming through with uh, an incredible film. The, the style of it was just so dazzling to me. I absolutely loved uh, just watching the movie for the visuals alone uh, when he has his first sort of flight <laughs> was just that leap scene is just incredible. Um, and it's also like really funny it's very surprising the whole idea of these of the spider verse with the spider ham and and film noir spider band and i actually also really like miles as a character i think that it that that his relationship with his dad his relationship with his uncle i thought brought gave the movie a lot of heart and it was just it was it was a dazzling film <laughs> and uh it's pretty hard to be inventive in the comic book uh genre but also be inventive in the medium of animation uh and so it uh it had to make my list what a, uh, that's an excellent choice yeah uh, and so uh, I will if if uh, I guess we have to wait and see what's everyone else's choice. But um, I don't know. This did you do you think that this movie was worthy of of the hype that it got? Absolutely, oh, uh, unquestionably. When you look at the end result, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. I thought it. I wish I could. I wish it was just always at the theater, so I could just see it all the time. At the, it was oh, it's still on Netflix. Am I right? Yeah. Um, is it on Netflix? I don't know. I mean, it probably is, but it's just seen on the big screen. It's just such an amazing experience. All right. Well, Mike, what is your number five? Uh, so uh, just before uh, I get uh, I get into it, I, when I was putting this list together, I had two sort of personal ground rules. The first was only one film per studio, although that didn't end up factoring into it too much. The uh -huh. other one is that uh, my list isn't like necessarily the same as an objective list. Like, uh, like when I say objective, I mean like, okay, this film actually is better than that, but that one ranks higher. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes right. personal preference outweighs whether a film is actually better or not. Like there's one in here that would definitely be higher otherwise. Uh, anyway. Um, so my number five is Sean the Sheep movie. Oh, really? Fun. Yeah. Ardman. Yeah. Nice poll. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Ardman, uh, they definitely had a, fa uh, a fine decade. They've produced a fair few films. Uh, Art of Christmas is a very good Christmassy one. Uh, the Pirates Adventure with Scientists, or Band of Misfits, as it's known in the States. Uh, that's a very uh, silly romp, very delightfully funny. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, Early Man is a little slight for them, but still perfectly fine and enjoyable. And actually, recently, they uh, put out the Show on the Seep sequel, since it's not had in the States yeah, it's so neither weird. Of you have, yeah, neither of you would have would have seen it, but I have, and it's it's not as brilliant as the first film. It's uh, it feels a little more a slight, if that makes sense, as some sequels do. But it's on the other hand, there's nothing wrong with it, and it's still a, uh, it has much of the strengths of this one. But just on showing the sheep film, so in in many ways, I think this film is like the modern equivalent of the original Winnie the Pooh film like mm -hmm. uh, on many levels it's aimed at the very young like the toddler set or those that are really just learning to read like all the wordplay in the film is aimed at is sort of a four-year-old mindset if that makes sense mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's crafted with such you know care such attention to detail that 
it really it really does make you want to be a, uh, a kid again like the, the comic timing of the beats is perfect you know moments holding just not enough reactions being the same it has the same visual wish that any Ardman film does and you know it even gets very poignant and tender at the right moments i, I don't know i i just love it i really do mm-hmm. it's so love- good yeah I love how um, I love how there's almost no dialogue in that whole movie, and every every emotion has to be conveyed with the face. I I just I like yeah. the spirit of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's interesting because I mean there is no dialogue, but it's not a silent film. Like the the various language of vocal bleats and blas mm-hmm. they have still play an important part in the de- in the delivery. Uh, you know, so. But a lot of the comic timing has sort of the feel of uh, Buster Keaton or oh, absolutely. Charlie Chaplin, which I really it, appreciate. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing that, you know, the first half or hour of Wally, you know, trafficked in a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that sort of broad comedy, like when they're just the whole scene when they're ordering dinner, when they're at the <laughs> restaurant. That's so, that scene is so funny. That that makes it, it's that scene is so much fart humor, farting humor and whatever, and it <laughs> yeah. makes it much funnier than farting humor really has a right to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> I also like the whole the whole when he, he invents the the haircut like that. That's also really cute and funny. Oh uh, yeah, they yeah. take a subplot that seems like a step past the bridge too far, and yeah. you know redeem it beautifully. Yeah. Um, if I had a number six, uh, an honorable mention, I would have picked Arthur Christmas. So I, okay. I do love Ardman and, uh, you know, I love Christmas movies. So there uh, we go. Would have, that would have been my pick. But, but yeah, they, they do a great job over there. And I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Shaun the Sheep too. I hope we finally get it released out here. It seems like I've been on my oh, uh, preview show. It seems like I've been previewing it for forever. <laughs> Well, uh, if you didn't hear, it was announced. Uh, it, it's it's going to be going straight to Netflix, I think. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it, oh, it is a shame. But on the other, but at least it means probably more people will get to see it than if it got a theatrical release. Assuming it didn't go to Netflix afterwards, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, that's a good point. Yes. It's too bad that they they can't seem to. I don't know. So they with stop motion. It seems like they just can't quite crack it here in the states. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It'll it's, be interesting to see what kind of uh, release pattern Chicken Run 2 gets in the States because, you know, yeah. that's a sequel to a film that it's 20 years old, but it was a, a big hit at the time. So, yeah. you know. It's true. That's a good point. Uh, all right. So, Ryan, what is your number five? Yeah. So, like I said, making this list was difficult. and I uh, And I thought that, like, a movie from a couple of studios like Leica were going to make it, and they do, but I was honestly surprised that my number five made it, made it to be my number five, and my number five is The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, this, oh. was, this was directed by Steven Spielberg. We all know who he is, and it was produced by Peter Jackson, the guy who did Lord of the Rings. So mm-hmm. steady hands behind the camera and all of that. But what I love about The Adventures of Tintin is that it's kind of like an animated Indiana Jones movie, but in the best way possible. It's got awesome action, just beautiful animation across the board. Uh, Andy Serkis is incredibly hysterical as Captain Archibald Haddock, who is like a drunk savant captain, and he's a lot of fun. Jamie Bell, who I think is really underrated as an actor, plays Tintin, and he does a 
great job as well. And you have Daniel Craig, who Daniel Craig is really, really cool in most of the things that he's in. And he plays a pretty sinister sounding villain. And there's a lot of action in this movie too, uh, especially with the sea battle between the pirate, and I can't remember his name right now, but, um, and the original Captain Haddock, that scene is just so riveting to me. And so the Avengers of Tintin really didn't do well here in the States, which I was very sad about because Tintin has been on a lot of adventures in the comics and I want to, and I want them to make more, but I have a feeling that they're not going to, but at least we have the one. And I think Adventures of Tintin is criminally underrated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it is a really fun, high spirited adventure uh, that the whole family can enjoy. Uh, and I, I do, I would also say that I think it's underrated, not only underrated as an animated film, but as a Spielberg film, I think it's one of his best in the last decade, honestly, uh, if I was making a ranking, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Mike, about that one? No, no, th those are all interesting points. It is, it is underrated to an extent. I mean, I, I don't think I can argue that it's a rate. I can't argue that it's a Raiders of the Lost Ark level masterpiece. I, I can't quite go that far, but mm -hmm. A lot of the strengths you two have pointed out is true, and uh, uh, as you say, you know a lot of the sequences uh, are, are vivid, and it definitely captures that Saturday matinee uh, vibe. I mean, people have always compared Tintin to Raiders. Sp Spielberg first noticed the property when he noticed that all the French reviews of Raiders kept mentioning the word Tintin. Of course, he couldn't read French, so he had no idea what they were saying, but he kept seeing that word pop up. <laughs> Because, you know, all the reviewers kept comparing Raiders to Tintin. It was pretty funny. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's de definitely a, a vivid, exciting, and in, uh, enchanting film. Yeah. Also, it's funny. You know sometimes how you have a particular scene from a film that just sticks with you and you have no idea why? This film yeah. has one of those. It's, it's the scene where uh, Daniel Craig's character is interrogating Tintin about the squirrel and he doesn't have it. And so he's like, where's the squirrel? You mean the poem? Yes. The poem rated old English. Yes. It was inside a cylinder. Yes. Concealed in the mask. Yes. <laughs> I don't have it. Uh, I have to say, I have not seen this movie in a long time. So I think I, maybe I should do it for for a family movie night because it's, it's. I should probably rewatch it too. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been but a really long time. I might so, also I've inspired say you all to rewatch it. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I might also say there's what uh, there are sort of two French Belgian exports that ne uh, you know are really popular in their homeland, but never traveled to America. Tintin is one. Asterix is the other. I, I don't know if either of you have ever heard of it, but it's almost as brilliant. Oh yeah, I've never heard of that. So yeah, not me. Oh well, do yourself a favor. Look it up online afterwards. You'll thank me later. Mm-hmm cool uh yeah that's a good choice i wouldn't have thought of that i i like it uh all right well my number four is uh my pixar selection uh and it's inside out i love pete doctor i think all three of his movies have been brilliant i'm really excited for soul coming out uh but there's so many reasons why i loved inside out i i thought that it managed to tell two stories that I connected with emotionally. I mean, it's about emotions, but, but I, I loved the story arc of both 
uh the lead characters i loved the story arc of riley uh you know she she's forced to move and all of a sudden she's like feeling emotionless she's without joy she's without sadness she's this empty person and uh and uh, and she's not allowed to sort of express that to her parents because she has to be the one to brighten all their spirits and uh and uh and i i just thought oh, when she comes home and uh she says you know she tells them that she misses home and uh and that whole scene at the end just i think it's so good and then but you also have the the arc of joy uh who when she starts out the 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 movie she thinks that happiness equals fun and as she goes about this journey with sadness she comes to understand this deeper and and in bing bong and who i thought was such a brilliant character and uh, i mean when bing bong makes a sacrifice for riley oh i just think it's and i just love i love little brilliant sequences like when they go into the the uh the room of abstract thought and they, get, they turn into <laughs> the concepts and uh i that was just brilliant uh i think it's also really funny like when they when they get um uh the uh <laughs> the facts and reason facts and uh and reasons mixed together and when they uh they're on the train of thought and uh i don't know i just i just love it i think it is such a layered beautiful beautifully animated i even love how the little memory spheres are are animated they the way they kind of clink together i don't know i just think the sound design is really good um it's it's just one of my all-time favorites so i gotta have inside out on there i've loved this movie since i saw the first teaser trailer where uh where you see inside the thoughts of the parents and the father's like oh god what what did she say uh, i don't know i didn't catch it uh yeah. what did she want and 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 the mom is like signal the father and he doesn't get it it's like so brilliant this yeah. movie is just it's near perfection in my opinion yeah and it's it's so funny and all the voice casting was just pitch perfect uh, i can't imagine anybody else playing angry than lucas black i can't imagine anybody else playing uh sadness but phyllis from the office <laughs> i i just uh i don't know it's just the best i i just love it even things like <laughs> broccoli on pizza <laughs> san francisco you have ruined pizza i <laughs> first hawaii now you yeah, yeah now you <laughs> i loved inside out so <laughs> uh so mike what is your number four well uh, uh just a few th uh, thoughts on uh inside out yeah, there please. um uh, well Firstly, actually, just a humorous thing. Uh, in Japan, the whole thing about broccoli being gross to kids isn't really a thing. So they had to replace it with some other vegetable for the joke to translate. Uh -huh. And I've no idea whether they had to do that for the pizza, broccoli on the pizza joke. <laughs> so that's a funny thing. Yeah. Uh, but your, your point on, you know, the perfect cast, that's interesting because that's one of the things Pixar has always done brilliantly and uh, it's not as obvious, you know. Sometimes they cast famous people, sometimes they cast non-famous people. Like, uh, they've often used, the, they've sometimes used one of their own if the right. scratch track is Jack Good. You know, Joe Ramsey's played a fair few characters in their films, Lenny, Wheezy, Heimlich, and A Bug's Life, and so on. So, no, one, no one's going to know him as an actor, you know. But but obviously, yeah, in this film, it's brilliant because, you know, Amy Paul, her, Palmer, she doesn't just do a great jo joy. She does a very particular kind of bossy, 
bordering on arrogance joy and how Mm -hmm. you know arrogant she has been in trying to be joyful and all that right yeah no it really is a really is a fantastic film yeah i'm so excited for for soul i mean all you have to really tell me is that it's pete doctor and i'm in Mm -hmm. (laughs) for that because i just he does the most the the pixar films that sort of wear their heart on the sleeve the most Uh like you know up and monster inks monsters inc both have uh sequences of you know where the waterfalls flow right yeah so does this one yep very i i I agree i i really do anyway so my number four uh sorry if this is going to be a bit boring but it's already popped up on this list it's spider-man into the spider-verse yeah I I thought that might make uh, make other people's lists. <laughs> yeah. This was the one I was thinking of when I said objectively it, it might be higher than number four, just because it does so many things phenomenally. Like the amount of industry people that said this is a phenomenal game changing film when it came out was unreal. Like people that would never you know comment on animated films otherwise, but. Mm-hmm. I think there are three three things that make it as brilliant as it is. First off, well, I mean, there's the visual style. Uh, obviously, you know, CG animation so needs to be more creative. And this does it, like, from, from the way it uses the sort of printing texture of comic books uh, at points to the language of speech bubbles. Obviously, it's not a comic book. It's an animated film. So even when people say, oh, it's just like a comic book, uh, it obviously isn't. What they mean is that, you know, it's capturing the same experience like the old spider-man films but this is doing it in the classic sort of knowing wink wink way secondly of course there's the fact that it actually is you know really funny i mean so often animated films uh even the comedies you know aren't funny to an to an adult audience well unless you just find pop culture references inherently funny which you know more people don't these days so that's good but uh this one uh, really is on that front so that's brilliant and then the third thing, obviously, is Miles himself. The tricky thing these days is that lots of films, and Disney especially, I know this isn't a Disney film, I'm just mentioning that, uh, have a tendency to sort of be, you know, try and be pr- prolific in being di- diverse in terms of, you know, having, you know, people of different genders, of different races and whatever. But more often than not, I'm inclined to be a bit pissed off about it because so often it seems like it's just coming from a place of them wanting to be seen to be doing a good thing rather than an inherently honest place, you know? Like, it's basically like, like it's like trying to be PC because people will like you for it in a sense. But this is a film where, you know, they have a, a, a... african-american person he comes from a very specific background you know uh, a not very economically well one but he's been sent to an uh, you know an uptown boarding school in new york somewhere the bronx i have no idea but, yeah. so that's a very specific background on the other hand but it comes from a very suitably honest place and you know the way at the end of the film they have the message uh, basically that anyone can be behind the mask it's honest it's believable i mean sony is a corporation obviously but uh, there isn't a bit a bone of cynicism in this film's body so that really makes it wonderful yeah uh, the the whole scene where his dad is talking to him through the door like that that is so i don't know great yeah. like it's so it is emotionally true it, it's so well done yeah it's so easy to imagine this film you know once it introduces all those other spider people for the uncle and the dad to you know, stop being a pivotal part of the film, but they, uh, but they keep on 
being a pivotal part in the right place. It yeah. balances its characters so well. I mean, obviously the Spider-Noir, Spider-Ham and uh, Penny Parker, uh, they're all, you know, minor characters. They don't have journeys or, or, or whatever, but they fulfill their purpose well. That's something animated films often su- uh, suck at, but using characters in small ways well. Often they're yeah. just there to be there. But no, that yet this really is a phenomenal film in just so many ways. And it's, uh, I really hope it leads to being a, a game changer for so many studios going forward. Me too. I agree. <laughs> it, definitely yeah. the best superhero film of the decade. I dare anyone to say otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I did really love Wonder Woman, but that was more on an emotional basis, more than necessarily the story. But um, that I just connected with it emotionally, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, I yeah, it, it's it's certainly up there. That's for sure. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ryan, what do you have at number four? My number four, we're going with another dark horse. I'm talking about Rango from 2011. Uh, oh, are you surprised? I am surprised, uh, but. Yeah. No, only surprised in this in the sense that I didn't necessarily expect it to pop up on the list. Well, I've always loved this movie. Uh, I grew up watching John Wayne westerns and Clint Eastwood west westerns with my dad, and Rango just feels like like a bit of an offshoot of that. Uh, just full frontal. I am not a humongous fan of Johnny Depp as an actor. I think that he's been. He has fallen into the typecasting of the weird guy who always has to wear face paint and do and <laughs> act really strange. Like he basically has played Jack Sparrow for about ten years, like Lone Ranger, you know, etc. But yeah. Rango is one of his very best performances. He plays this lizard who originally starts out as kind of a loser, but a winner in his own mind. But then he encounters the town of dirt and he basically has to put on a whole smoke and mirrors routine but he eventually becomes beloved by the town and he has to come across rattlesnake jake who i have been deathly afraid of snakes my entire life and rattlesnake jake just haunted my nightmares for a little while voiced brilliantly by bill nye uh this this movie is another underrated one because I have to remind myself that it is animation because everything just flows so seamlessly together. And it's got great action, again, specifically the scene where where Rango and the town get the water jug back and they have to gun it through the canyon while being chased by all of the hillbilly, I want to say, rats on, on those wing things. And they're being chased by the song of Flight of the Valkyries, but it's done with banjos and trumpets. It's both hilarious and kind of gripping all at the same time. So to put the period at the end of the sentence there, Rango doesn't get enough love, and especially because I think it's from Nickelodeon. But on the whole, Rango is just really good, and I've always loved it. I was actually watching it last night in preparation for this list. So, mm-hmm. Well... Uh, I might just say, I mean, Nickelodeon Films did release it, but I'm pretty sure they had almost no role in the production of this film. Uh, so, 
there's that. Is it you mentioned the, good good point. Uh, yeah, you yeah, it is Paramount. You mentioned the realism. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that film was animated by ILM, as in you know the George Lucas special effects house. So I was not aware of that, and I'm I'm grateful to you for that. So thank you. Oh, so that that might explain so, to you some of the approaches to its visual effects. Like it, they're not animating it in a special effects way, but neither is it the usual sort of cartoony pixar-esque style either it's to, it has a more realistic sensibility i think one of the reasons it is underrated is that it's a ridiculously personal film like gore, gore Vebinski just wanted to make a, a western as much as he could and fair play to the executives from letting him do that for what was it 130 million dollars something like that but it's such a personal idiosynastric film you know like it appeals to his taste so much and often when filmmakers do that the results at the box office can be shaky this one did all right uh, given that you know so it, it is mostly mostly those people who like yourself adore westerns to no end it sticks with them and and to most others uh, they do like it if they you know are willing to shake the whole animation is for kids mentality off of them <laughs> Actually, I, I remember some, there were people arguing about smoking being a bad image in it for kids or whatever. <laughs> really? Smoking? <laughs> I, I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of this movie, um, but I can see why really? you have it on your list. Yeah, I just feel like it takes a long time for the story to get going, and a lot of it is kind of Rango kind of ambling about. Like, I don't know. Like, a lot of that kind of stuff doesn't really work for me i guess the humor just it's a little too it's just not my style um and once they finally get looking for the water and they get on their 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 purpose of the story then i think it gets a lot better but i feel like the first like 30 minutes are kind of just rango ambling about talking and and i uh, i i don't know it's just not it's just not my favorite but I totally see why you like it and it's definitely unique and you know it did win uh you know an Oscar and one of the few non uh Disney slash Pixar winners in the last decade for best animated feature uh so it's kind of unique that way uh and it was sort of a weird year 2011 for animation with uh without a um Disney and they had the two independent films that year. They had Kung Fu Panda. Um, Kung Fu Panda Puss in Boots. Yeah, and Puss in Boots. So it was sort of a weird year for animation. Uh, and um, so I can see why it's, it's your favorite. It's just not a favorite of mine. Uh, mm. But I am not somebody who knows a lot about Westerns. So I think a also, lot of... Uh, also, before we move on, shout out to Timothy Oliphant for doing the for doing an awesome job as the spirit of the west mm -hmm. yeah it has great voice cast there's no doubt about that for sure um so very interesting choice uh all right well my number three uh is uh, one of my favorite disney films and it's uh it's tangled is my number three that was a that was a very difficult cut like yeah <laughs> like that would have been like number seven or eight because i like this movie better than frozen like if i if we're being honest yeah so do i i do as well i mean i love frozen i'm not a hate frozen hater by any stretch of the imagination but i oh no me neither. i 
loved Tangled. It actually kind of won me back to Disney because I, at the time I, at the time the Tangled came out, I was not like reviewing movies or like into movies. I, mean, I still liked movies, but I was not where I am now. Um, and uh, I, uh, I had gone to see uh, Princess and the Frog uh, you know, before that and the years before that. And I was very disappointed by at the time. Now I kind of appreciate it more than I did then. But at the time I was very disappointed in Princess and the Frog. I just thought the story wasn't very good. And uh, I don't know, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of went, uh, and there'd been so long since a Walt Disney Animation Studio film had come out that I had liked. There'd been, you know, Pixar but it had been since Emperor's New Groove, really, that at the time, that one that I had liked. And uh, so I went into it kind of skeptical. The trailers hadn't been very good. Uh, but I think I took my younger siblings and I was blown away by it. And I think it's, it's really, uh, it's Disney's first true romantic comedy. Um, that it's the one of the only of the princess movies that has a lot of time with the two leads with a lot of witty dialogue between the two i mean because uh, most of the time uh, it's done through montages or uh it's it's not as witty as it's done uh in in here and i i just love all of that and i love mother gothel i think she's such a great villain and the idea of using motherhood to manipulate and control and it's such a wicked concept and it's been so long since we've had a, a a truly wicked villain in a disney movie that i think i appreciate it even more now than i did then uh you know keep getting all these uh surprise villains from disney and pixar uh and so i i just you know i, I love everything about it i love her personality and how is she's very indecisive and uh, I'm a terrible daughter. This is the best day of my life. Like, I love all that. I love Maximus. I love Pascal. I love, uh, you know, I love Flynn Rider as a character. He's such a good, well-written uh, male character. Zachary Leary does such a great job with the voice voiced, performance. Voiced by a pre-Shazam, Zachary Yeah, pre-Shazam. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of people are a little hard on the music, but I think it's delightful, perfectly fun, cute music. And the lantern scene blew me away, uh, and I still love it. So I don't know. I just think it's a great movie. So I have it at three. My favorite song uh, in Tangled is uh, is Now That I See You. I've listened yeah. to that song about a hundred times, and I don't think I ever will stop. Like, wait, uh, awesome. are you talking about the lantern song? Yeah, the lantern. Yeah. song. Um, yeah. that I'm print. That song's name is I See the Light. Yeah. Oh, I I I, yeah. I see the light. Yes, yeah. you are right. Uh, but yeah, it's a really beautiful sequence and a t I think a sweet little Alan Menken song. And uh, uh, yeah, I just really enjoy it. I don't know. Where where are you on Tangled, uh, Mike? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'd agree with most of what you said. Per personally, I find the I see your the lights on. I find the song a little, gener a little generic. Like if I was just listening to it, I'd probably be like, man, yeah, that was okay, I guess. But uh -huh. you know, the visuals absolutely sell the sequence. It was one of the real, this is what CG can do that traditional animation can't showcases with all the glowing lanterns and everything. That was mm. phenomenal. A again, a lot of the comedy, as you've mentioned, really works. It's it, despite the trailers making it out to be some sort of Shrek wannabe, it, the humor really wasn't like that at all. It was great. Yeah, uh, I, I would say 
uh, again, that I don't think the music, I think the music is generally very good, if not exceptional. I think Moana's Sleet of Songs is, I prefer that one slightly, but I will say I think Tangled is the better film of the two. And mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, Mother Gothel is such a uh, wonderful villain because, you know, it's, it's psychologically scary the, de- the degree to which she's, um, you know, manipulative. She doesn't just do it to win. She does it because she enjoys it. It's, uh, you know, uh, that's the thing I like in my animated films when they have darkness sort of lingering around the edges, things like that, things that uh, even if they don't scare you as a kid, you're very much aware of them as an adult and they give them edge. Uh, it, it is sort of a disappointment that, you know, because our whole deception is based entirely on lies, you know, uh, once that starts unwinding, she's far less credible as a threat. But, you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just what happens. Yeah. And I love Donna Murphy's performance as Mother Gothel. I think she really sells it. Uh, yeah, she, I think she has the best song, personally. Oh, yeah. Mother knows sure. best. Yes. Yeah. That song is awesome. So good. So, uh, Mike, what's your number three? Well, uh, well, you don't have to worry about forgetting what the third film that year was, because this is it, How to Train Your Dragon. Ah, that's oh, right. Great. <laughs> I, I had a lot of internal debate about this spot. It was basically a four-way tie between all three dragon films and Kung Fu Panda 2. But this is my DreamWorks spot, obviously. Uh-huh. So uh, eventually I decided to be objective enough and admit that as much as I love Kung Fu Panda 2, the dragons are, uh, you know, from a filmmaking perspective, the better films. And from there, it was just deciding uh, which one has stuck with me the best. And I think it's the first one. Same with me. Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting thing. In many ways, the dragon films, they're, they're about, I mean, lots of films are about growing up, but they're specifically about different phases. Like the first one is about being in your teens. And I was 15 when I saw it. Then the second one has been about in your early 20s. I was 19 when I saw that one. And then the last one is about inching towards your 30s. I'm 25 now. So they map onto my life in a somewhat unnerving manner. It's freaky. But, mm-hmm. but just on this first on this first film, you know, uh, Chris, Chris Sanders and Dean Delbois, they'd done Lilo and Stitch and then they did this film and they brought a lot of what made that film work to this one but, uh, but it was very unique and different in its own right and just I mean firstly the, vi- the visuals, the texture it feels very visually distinct from all the films that came before this was a, an era where computer animators started you know doing their films like live action films like they had the Coen Brothers cinematographer as a consultant on this one uh, uh, Roger Deakins yes that's his name so you really notice that in the way they use lighting and camera uh, and everything obviously Tootless is just he may very well be the best animated character of the 2010s I'm not kidding there mm-hmm. uh, in his various cat influenced and in the sequels more dog influenced uh, behaviors and I'm not even a cat person but it works that phenomenally well Hiccup's journey is perfectly realized the dragon designs are so so unique like you've got seven dragon different dragons in that film and only one of them is a sort of you know typical western dragon that that be the monstrous nightmare the others are all unique and off kilter and quirky but brilliant in their own way uh, I just don't have enough good words from that film the closest thing it has to a flaw is that his uh, hiccup sidekicks aren't that compelling but they don't they do work for their sequences so they're still fine and uh they're not they don't become nearly as much of a problem as they do in the sequels unfortunately N- not astrid I'm, uh, she's fine i'm talking about the other four mm-hmm. 
My favorite so, of that whole supporting team was Astrid, but the rest I've just never been big fan of. Fans of they were just annoying to me. Yeah, well, as I say, they're fine in the first film, but they uh, but they're nowhere near the strength of the rest. And then in the sequels, they're actively a liability. Like whoever mm-hmm. whoever came up with that subplot of Snotlout hating on Hiccup's mom in the third film should be fired. Oh yeah, I, and I I really like How to Train a Dragon three, but yes, that plot was horrible. <laughs> Yeah. Also, yeah, in the third one, the 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 Kristen Wiig character. Oh, Roughnut. I thought she was very annoying. Uh, that, that just I don't know. I didn't uh, didn't like her. But but the first one, I agreed, is my favorite of the three, and I absolutely love the flying sequences in all of these movies. I think I could just watch Hiccup and Toothless flying for a whole movie. I think I yeah. love oh, those sequences. Yeah. It's it's funny in the sequels the film they never really went for that sort of blissful type of flying yeah. uh, emotions that they went for in the first in the first one like that romantic flight sequence where there's no dialogue uh, up to that point Astrid hasn't been that pivotal a character but that's such a you know a gorgeous sequence with uh, you know lovely uh, violin and string instruments and what have you that it, that alone makes it dream the best romance tree works has ever done apologies to all the Shrek and Fiona lovers <laughs> out there yeah yeah the only nitpick i have with this franchise is i i'm not crazy about the voice casting i i've never loved jay baruchel as hiccup i just i don't know it just doesn't quite fit for me and i just i don't know and then i also just think it's a little bit weird because uh they have like why why does he not have the same accent as his father and like the other people in the village, like that's a little bit weird. Um, it just seems like it's kind of a hodgepodge of random voices. And um, and so that's, that's my only nitpick, but I really like How to Train a Dragon. I think it's a very good movie. It's a classic formula that was seen many times with the child coming into contact with a, an alien, a dragon, a... Uh, <laughs> a robot, a fantastical creature, that kind of a thing, and it e. almost G, always basically. works. Yeah, it almost always works for me. It, it's just such an easy way to bring heart. And yeah, it, it's um, such a familiar story, but it makes as what it work as well as the most clever thriller. You know. Yeah. Yep. I agree. It's a very good pick. Very good pick. All right. Uh, phone home. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Uh. Ryan, what do you have at number three? Well, I think for the first time, our lists are all similar in one respect. My number three is Inside Out, which we have all talked about. But uh, I'll try and keep my thoughts on it, like on stuff that hasn't been brought up. Uh-huh. Uh, this, I think that up until that point, it was the best looking Pixar movie. You can track how good the animation got from the first Toy Story up to then, and that was like the zenith. It would eventually get better with Toy Story 4, but that was the best animated one that I had seen up until that point. But uh, like you mentioned, Rachel, the voice casting is absolutely perfect. I mean, Louis Black is pretty much anger in human form. (laughs) He's made so much money off of basically complaining, like on a stage for an hour. And, uh, and he was absolutely perfect in that regard. But I think what, what I love about this movie the most is how relatable it is. Like, despite the fact that I've, I've never really, well, 
I've never been a girl. I felt a lot of the feelings that I've that Riley felt, and in that regard, it was it was very relatable, at least to me, because it's sure. just all a matter of growing up, and you experience new emotions when you're growing up. That's just how this stuff works. And out of out of any Pixar movie, I think it dealt with the whole relatability factor the most. You can argue like the first the first scene in Up where you see Carl and Ellie's relationship from the beginning to the end, like in terms of relatability, but Inside Out is definitely the most relatable Pixar movie that they've ever done. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's, I suppose that in many ways, that's the best sign of a good film. You know, so many films these days, or well, especially these days, you know, they say that film, a film for everybody, but a film for everybody is really for nobody. A film is often best when, uh, from an emotional and thematic perspective, it's a very specific experience. Like take Finding Nemo, that, that it, from a, you know, thematic perspective, you could argue that film is only aimed at, at fathers, especially over, overprotective fathers. And yet it was their highest grossing film at the time. For a long time, it was probably their one definitely one of the consensus picks for their top films even though theoretically i shouldn't be able to engage with it at all but there you go and inside out it's exactly the same like i haven't moved i was never an 11 year old girl but we have all grown up and gone through turbulent emotions enough for us to get it and when you delve into a very specific experience you make the uh you're using a very specific thing to make the but in a way that the themes are universal that's powerful filmmaking you know yeah, that's Absolutely. a really good point. And and what a great gift to parents to be able to have this these concepts to be able to talk to your child about the importance of of the the sad times of life and how they help make us a full person and like oh my gosh, what 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 a wonderful uh just point jumping off point for discussion uh with uh with your kids i think it could be uh i don't know it's just such such a brilliant uh film in that regard too uh so very good choice i agree (laughs) um well uh so my number two is probably a unique one to me but it's a movie that meant a lot to me is uh tom moore's film song of the sea and uh this came out um yeah about two months after my cousin had passed away uh she had two little boys and uh her little boy spoke at her funeral about how he just didn't understand why this had happened and it was obviously very traumatic and and very tragic and and so when i went to see the movie song of the sea and it's about this little boy who's lost his mother uh it really hit home personally to me and he gets a chance to say goodbye to his mother and it was just so devastating and i i saw the movie and i i just stayed in my seat for about 10 minutes while they were cleaning up the theater and everything because i was just so overwhelmed uh by what i had seen and i i think the movie is so stunning in every other way it's so it's not just the emotion but i the the incredible lore 
the beautiful animation, uh, the beautiful music. Uh, I love just little details, like even how they uh, how it portrays Halloween and the trick or treaters and and the the owls and the whole uh, mythology behind the the uh, old woman who uh, is uh, bottling up the uh, the trying to stop people from feeling because she was so devastated by the uh but what happened with her son and and so she thinks she's doing something good but really she's obviously not and um that people need to be allowed to be sad uh and go through these things and um and so she's an interesting character and also a villain and scary at times the whole relationship between shirsa and uh, and ben uh, as they go on this little road trip is so great uh the 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 their, their father as he's just sort of stuck and grieving i think is a really easy character to relate to um i just love this movie and i got a chance to interview tom moore and i just think he's a, an amazing director amazing animator and uh so uh, it's, i have it number two wow you got to interview the director now I i'm jealous it, and it was an incredible experience of course years later i it was just last year that i got to interview him but um but uh, i actually cried on my review on my youtube channel uh and he they act he uh, he remembered my review and um that they kind of passed it around the office and people had watched it so, so that made me feel really good uh but i don't know i just love i love song of the sea i think it is just such a beautiful uh dare i say it masterpiece um but uh uh mike this comes from your neck of the woods what do you think of song of uh, sea? uh you know I, i'm so apologetic that this film did not make the cut i swear <laughs> it was very close it honestly was yeah i'm sorry Irish no, no, people. Okay. i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah it's like even when you were discussing it there i was having second thoughts about <laughs> should it uh i don't know but yeah, yeah i mean i'm not going to pretend that it's hit it hit me that emotionally but certainly the reason why it's probably a better film than secret of Kells, which is still a pretty fantastic film in its own right mm -hmm. is that it, uh it feels more of an emotional place uh in many ways it's interesting i saw the film twice and the second time i saw it with my parents and they both they both had comments along the lines of the visuals were the best bit that was what kept me interested it not in a necessarily a condescending way but i definitely get mm -hmm. the impression that otherwise they found the story not as engaging but so well okay whatever but yeah. <laughs> but even so you know it's also an interesting perspective because a lot of the mythology in this film, like I, I'm honestly, I'm not uber familiar with it, but I know it vaguely. So I, I still often wonder how, do, how does your average American perceive a film like this? But, uh, and I think of it in the same way I think of Spirited Away, you know, that, that's a film that is very rooted in Shinoto. I've no idea what the Japanese religion or whatever it is mm -hmm. that it has, the, that a lot of beliefs and principles are present and obviously but they have to present it in a way that makes sense to natural audiences and like when i'm watching spirited away i'm not like super aware there's things i'm not getting here but uh i do know on a factual level this probably still plays a little better for a japanese viewer maybe mm -hmm. so i think with this film does the same hold true for an american viewer i mean 
you've just said that it's all the emotional stuff of the characters that really makes you weep and gets it for you, which is great, obviously. But it, but so I still wonder about the mythology. I mean, obviously, it's still wonderfully fa- great fantasy in its own right. You know, a selkie, basically a sea werewolf <laughs> mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. But yeah, it, no, it, it really is just a a beautifully unique in every aspect film. And, you know, it's an easy thing to say, oh, a film is very Ghibli-like because it has such a beautiful visuals and such a sweet natured soul but of all the films you could say this about i think this one is the closest in that regard mm-hmm. and he was very influenced by oh yeah Ghibli. well uh, everyone is i mean who, who <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be that's true I, i'm uh, also a bit <laughs> envious that like i live in ireland yet you're the one who's gotten to okay you didn't meet him but you did interview him so i know but, it's a weird world isn't it like i have the art of books i've read i've read articles in the paper about it like for instance that did you know they have a there's a vegan store near Carton Saloon that does very well because a lot of the employees there are vegan? True story. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. It's all, it's one of the few animation studios in Ireland that isn't based in Dublin. It's in Kilkenny, which is it's not a hugely sparsely populated county, but it's not a big one either. It's uh-huh. sort of middle of the road. So it's interesting that the most well-known animation studio is not based in the city. Like all the big animation studios in the US, they're in LA, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. But anyway, it's, there you go. True. You've seen this one, Ryan? Have you seen Song of the Sea? I saw it when it came out originally, but it has been a while. However, I do remember really enjoying it. I remember... It was one of those movies where I was like, you could write like 10 academic papers on what this movie is trying to say and they could all be right. Yeah. But uh, I, I do legitimately really enjoy this movie. It just narrowly missed my list. Like, again, it's like if it were top 15, it'd be like seven or eight. But, mm-hmm. yeah. it, but the movie is excellent. Uh, very unique animation, like you said. And it's just... It felt it, it felt kind of like how Studio Ghibli does things. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't feel like an American animated movie. Not to dump on American movies, they are awesome. But Song of the Sea just felt like it was, it felt different. And that's what I like the most about it. Yeah, I think if there, it had been an American film, there would have been like a quirky sidekick and a, uh, oh, you know, these kind of things. none of that in this. <laughs> no. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Mike, what do you have at number two? Oh, oh sorry, is it my turn? Uh, just on Song of the Sea, it, it, it is an interesting case, though, because like almost everyone who has seen the film does love it. Very unusually for uh, a, a film where the visual style is the be- is for most people the best mm-hmm. thing about it. It has a very high rating on IMDb for those sorts of films. Like I think it was an yeah. H last I checked. So, you know, for the most point. part, everyone who has watched it has loved it. So it's mm-hmm. just the thing of getting more people to see it. Yep. But uh, but a fair amount of people have seen it more than the box office numbers would certainly suggest. So there is yeah. justice in a sense. Because it was on, it was I don't know if it's still available, but it was on Amazon, available to watch on Amazon Prime for a long time, and so a lot of people watched it. Uh, I had a number of friends who said who came to me and said, "Oh, my kids and I we watched it because people, everyone knows how much I love this movie," and uh, and uh, um, that they watched it on Amazon Prime. So I think that helped. Mm-hmm. Trying to get the word out uh so yeah so is it did i skip i got no, no, it's right no, it's your uh, turn, no, no i i didn't get onto it properly so uh, <laughs> okay. a bit bo- a bit boring uh my number two is inside out 
oh yay so we all have we all have it yeah this was such a close race between this and toy story 3 i think the thing that eventually decided it for me was toy story 3's uh finale the last 20 minutes is a masterpiece but that is slightly better than the rest whereas inside out it it has its quality for the most part the whole way through Mm -hmm. not saying that the rest of toy story 3 the first 70 minutes isn't great but it for it is but you know the reason people remember that film is because of the third act. Yeah. You're splitting a certain degree, a list like this, you have to split hairs a little bit. <laughs> so I understand. Yeah. Uh, like since it's been discussed twice, uh, unlike with Spider-Verse where I could add things, I don't know. I'm trying to reach for things to add to this film on this point. Uh, I mean, cause I already chipped in previously is the right. thing. Yeah. Um, Very- I suppose. Very good. I, I suppose pick. one thing uh, that that does leap to mind. Uh, well, we, we all mentioned the uh, the Bing Bond scene or earlier. Uh, well, you know the scene where he's forgotten. Uh, that's one of the most uh, you know t- a, a tear-jerking scenes in its own right. And especially, it's an interesting thing because when you think about it, is it just does Riley just forget about it, or do Joy and the other emotions forget about it, about him too? You know, that makes it even more. Oh my God, what just happened? Thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I uh, love the whole. I love the whole visual design. Like I said, I love the globes. I think they feel. I love the sound of them. I love the look of them. I think they have such a tactile feel to them. And oh, uh, actually, and- that's a good point. Uh, I, another thing the film does phenomenally well is it's got so many, you know, abstract rules and concepts. When you have any f- an animated film that you know does an alternate world, it's very high concept. It's very important to introduce it in a way that doesn't feel expositiony. And this this one's a masterclass, all because of the use of color. Like we're able to quickly see that you know a yellow a yellow a ball that means a happy memory uh, and then all the other different colors mean their emotions so there's so many aspects like that that through a mixture of visuals and exposition that isn't really delivered as exposition we're able to pick up the rules uh of this world and it never feels like we're being lectured or talked down to so that's another thing mm-hmm. the world does phenomenally yeah and so when big mong is in that is in the pit with all those sort of the 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 it's almost they almost look like the the expired bulbs almost look like a uh look look like a a, a firework that had kind of gone out you know mm-hmm. they have that that charcoaly kind of look about them and i i it's it, it's really effective it's really good you know i, I remember that R- richard kind agreed to not take place in the publicity of the film because they were keeping bing bon as sort of the film's uh secret weapon if you will mm-hmm. yeah Perfect so, that can't have been very, easy yeah well very yeah. good it wasn't his first yeah it wasn't his first time in a pixar film he's another one that's appeared a few times he voiced a minor van in cars but prior to that he voiced malt in a bug's life but uh who's a pretty fun character in his own right but obviously bing bon is far far and away takes the cake yeah yeah very 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 good uh all right uh ryan what do you have at at number two well we're on common ground again my number two is into the spider-verse so Mm -hmm. we all share inside out and we all share into the spider-verse if i can Mm -hmm. if my score is right here at home yeah you're correct yeah (laughs) Again, since we talked about this one twice, I'll try and keep this relatively brief and only talk about stuff that hasn't happened yet. But um, I 
originally I was like, this was really, really good. I didn't think it was amazing, like 99% of the population, but I was like, I thought this was really, really good. And then the more I thought about it, it just got better and better and better and better. And it's, and it, it's just, the movie is excellent. It's near perfection for me. I think what I like the most about it, though, is how this Spider-Man movie could not have taken place at literally any other decade, because the original Spider-Man movies directed by Sam Raimi were basically made to show that comic book movies could be taken seriously, and they weren't just all about Joel Schumacher and all the whole Batman stuff. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man was trying to do darker and more gritty, and it didn't work. And the MCU Spider-Man stuff was trying to bring Spider-Man back into relevancy in the MCU. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse felt like the only true, true Spider-Man movie because it wasn't trying to set up a cinematic universe. It wasn't trying to be anything grander than anything it was. It captured the spirit of what makes Spider-Man so awesome in the comics and basically did a, did a did an alternate universe story about as good as you could probably get. It's, it's better than a lot of the other ones I've seen. Uh, and my favorite scene in the whole movie is the one that I believe, that I believe Mike mentioned earlier was the scene between Miles's father and Miles when Miles is tied to the chair and, and his dad is like, well, when you get ready to talk, you, uh, I'm always there. And I'm like, that is just so effective in so many ways. And and really, that's all I have to say about I'd that. love to take credit for that, but I can't. Re- Rachel mentioned that one. <laughs> oh, Rachel did. I'm, well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's such, such a great movie. It really is. Uh, and it's one you could watch, I think, over and over again and get something new and different uh, in out of it every time you watch it it's a really rich movie in that way uh very good all right it, it, it's interesting it's it it's interesting ryan you, you mentioned the angle of being you thought you didn't weren't blown away the first time you saw it the first time i saw it and it's reflected in my original review i was like this is a near masterpiece uh, uh but with i uh, sort of had this tone of not committing to saying it was a masterpiece yet uh because so often you say a film is and then you watch it a second time yeah. and you're like oh it doesn't hold up so i was being too cautious about it but then i saw it a second time and i was like no this really does hold up mm-hmm. well so ending, I, I had a not unsimilar sentiment well the ending battle sequence between all the spider people i guess mm-hmm. is the right way to say it. the all the spider people and king and kingpin's goons the whole mm-hmm. sequence there, the animation was a little too dizzying for my like. It was like, at a point I was like, movie, please stop. I got to get off for a few minutes because there was oh. so much happening. So much was flying by. It kind of reminded me of that Ralph Bakshi movie, Cool World. I don't know if you all have heard of it. It's it's a really terrible movie, but it's it's animated. And there was just a bunch of animated stuff just flying around there. And and I just and not and I'm not saying that Into the Spider Verse is on the same vein as Cool World. Far from it. If that analogy got a little away, away from me. But my point is, my original problem with Into the Spider Verse was the animation got a little too stylized for my liking. That it got a little blinding. But now that I've actually gotten a chance to see it a couple more times, 
the animation style does fit with the tone that they're going for, so I can excuse it. Uh, yeah. Did that work better for you when you saw it on home media? Because, you know, since it's not a big, as big a screen, the dizzying moments weren't as dizzying because they weren't filling your whole vision, you know? Surprisingly enough, it did. Yeah. Oh. That, that makes well, sense. I not surprisingly. That's what, I, that's what I'd expect. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, all right. So now we're at the number one spot. It's pretty exciting. And mine will not be a surprise to most anybody that follows me and knows me. Uh, my number one is... Makoto Shinkai's masterpiece, Your Name. Uh, I called it, called yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this movie. I just think it's it's got everything that you could want in a film. I think it's really funny. It, it sort of starts you out on this uh, sort of Freaky Friday type story. These two teens that share that end up sharing bodies and switching places, and they don't know each other at all, and so they're trying to figure out. Uh, each other's lives and I just love like when uh, I don't know just little things like how excited uh the uh um how excited uh, the 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 girls to um to Mitsuwa is to to going to cafes and, and experiencing life in the city and and just so I love that first part but then I love that the how it, it kind of it eases you into these deeper this deeper themes and it becomes something different uh and i i love the whole message of the movie about once you understand somebody's humanity how it changes you as a person and you will do anything to uh rescue and to help that person that you've come to understand and the value of each individual soul and and when uh when uh the um oh my gosh what's wrong with me um but just the desperation that uh that they all feel for to try to help save mitsua and uh the the village and just every step of the way i just absolutely love it i love the um love the animation is so beautiful i absolutely love the music i love that sense of so taki sees him taki sees her on the uh uh on the subway and he senses that that they have this connection and and then it just can never leave him and he feels that on a spiritual level that he has to find this person that he had seen and and because they have that connection through the band that literally binds them and having been in each other's bodies and and uh there's the sense of sort of spirit spirituality about the movie that i really connect with and that i love um but i just think it has everything you could want in a movie it's funny it's dramatic it's romantic i love the ending i think it's pitch perfect um it's exciting uh it's just i just think it's great i absolutely love it and so far uh very few people have disliked it that i've recommended it to almost everybody has enjoyed it um and uh so i just think it's it's an incredible film what did you think of your name i really enjoyed it and it was again a very narrow cut if it was like it, this would be like number six like mm -hmm. i thought the movie was outstanding but i just in terms of rewatchability, like mm -hmm. the movies on my list, I've watched a lot more than that one. I should go back and watch Your Name again because I haven't seen it in like two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
uh, I can understand that. Uh, the 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 music. I think I think that the dub is pretty good, but I think the one downside to the dub is I think the music in English isn't as good uh, because it feels like they have to rush it <laughs> um, compared to wait wait Japanese. Did they change the score? Or are you just talking about the songs? The songs. Oh yeah, right. I, I, okay. I like I prefer them in Japanese over the English personally. Um, but uh, well, the, the interesting yeah. thing is, I've already, I've already actually seen this film once. I, I, I got to see it in IMAX. Actually, it's let me oh, tell you, it's such a weird jealous. experience. It's such a weird experience seeing a subtitled film in IMAX. That's the only time it's happened. In a sense, I actually, I think maybe the reason I haven't watched, haven't watched it since, is I'm somewhat timid that the next time I see it, you know, just on my computer or television or whatever it's not going to live up to that experience so mm-hmm. uh th- th- so there's a bit of that but i really obviously should watch it again because it's phenomenal you've actually reminded me that weathering with you it's getting screened here in january in just a couple of weeks so i must see that it's coming yeah. to my it's coming to my local theater as a fathom event so i'm definitely going to check that out yeah me too i mean i have seen it uh um and uh it's beautiful <laughs> it's, it's not your I, name but i would say I, I would say on your name like though i do love it and don't don't question me i do love it <laughs> like uh, uh uh i don't i don't necessarily some i mean sometimes i do find it to be just the we minutest bit overrated please don't shoot me um oh uh, that's that's a hot take no no, no. it's not a hot it's not a hot take where it's this is still a nine out of ten film okay uh-huh. so all, all i mean is i think some of the uh plot shifts it takes in the back half they're very anime esque and it's not necessarily that I, I don't have a problem with those. It just, it just sort of feels like up to that point, it was being such a great character piece. And then the filmmakers thought, well, uh, well, you know, uh, this is an anime. We have to have that in. As I say, it's, it's been so long since I've seen it that maybe these are just muddled thoughts and maybe this won't hold true once I watch the film again. Yeah. But, uh, but that does sort of settle uh, into my opinion of the film mm-hmm. a, a bit right now. As I say, you know, maybe if I come back after seeing it in a month's time, that fact won't hold true. So that's just yeah. as it is right now. I can understand just, that. Just one other, just one other aside. Uh, it's very funny watching. I think that was the first time I'd, as they say, seen a subtitled Japanese film in cinemas. I'd seen other subtitled films, but you know, the sequence when uh, the, oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's names, uh-huh. but when the girl is in the boy's body and she's uh, at their school, it, she's using the wrong pronouns and the others are looking at her weirdly. Uh, the way, Because Japanese pronouns, you know, the way you refer to yourself, there's so many different ways of saying I. Uh, right. If I didn't, if I hadn't seen enough anime to sort of know what they were getting at, because uh, the subtitles basically had to... Uh, they had to keep saying I and then having in brackets what it means. So it could be a bit immersion breaking if you're not used to that sort of thing. But again, th- since there's no English equivalent, you just kind of have to do that for people to understand it. Yeah. I mean, like, and, it, I, and I've heard that about people that, that prefer the, the sort of the earlier parts of the movie um, where the way I look at it and, and I think it's val it's totally valid, but I, the way I look at it is sort of the movies just kind of warming you up. Like it just starts being this light kind of lark and then it kind of gets you more and more and more and more and more invest- invested so that you're ready for this. 
Uh, and so that, that that's how I kind of see it, but I can understand that point of view. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's one that I connected with on a, on a real sort of spiritual meta level kind of. And so I can understand uh, it. If you don't have that kind of spiritual connection uh, where you really feel that desperation on the part of Taki. And so then the ending when they, when they find each other again it's so to me it's just so good but i i can understand it being you admire it you like it but not being one of your you know top five of the decade that's not a problem um and uh but it is an interesting movie that i still have yet to find somebody who like hated it i it's just uh, so far everybody that i've recommended it to has liked it on some level because uh, it's just so beautiful yeah. uh the music is so great um and it just builds and builds and builds and has it i just feel like it kind of has something for everyone because it does have the funny parts it does have the exciting parts it does have the romance it does have uh you know kind of everything that you could want in a movie and um so i uh, so yeah it's <laughs> it's oh, my favorite <laughs> uh, absolutely it, it- it really it really is a phenomenal crowd freezer like it's got yeah. something for everyone it's got young adult romance that actually you know is good and not yeah. you know pretty insipid if you're not a teenager uh even so the fantasies i still do find it works you know in it's sort of slightly wacky way yeah. all the timeline stuff the cosmic grandeur and you know it doesn't hurt that it's phenomenally stupidly beautiful to look at either <laughs> yeah and it's a good entryway if you have people that just are like I'm not, I don't like anime. I won't see anime. I think it's a really good gateway uh, to, to, uh, to introducing people to anime. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's the thing. If, if people, it is possible to get someone to like anime, if you can just sort of quality control it and make sure they only see the good stuff. I'm not saying that against anime people, but a lot of the anime that, you know, anime people watch is only really aimed at anime people and, you know it's the sort of stuff that there's something i remember very vividly you know shinji uh, miyazaki's uh sorry heyo yeah. miyazaki sorry uh of ghibli fame in an interview he did with roger ebert i think he what he said words to the effect of i could probably not recommend most anime to you because most of, most of the stuff is very uh either you know, uh, sexual or violently graphic for the sake of it. And if it's on television, it's far too budget conscious to do anything, uh, anything unique. That the kind of films he he were doing at the time were really, uh, you know, like an oasis in a desert in terms of that quality that would win over anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and also even the the Studio Ghibli films, I think that there's kind of a a um, level of sort of fantasy and a little bit of uh that a little bit of um uh magical realism depending on the movie uh that can be uh challenging for people on a first watch you know what i mean whereas this it's like a little Mm -hmm. i mean it does have those i guess does have its own sort of brand of fantasy but it's like set you have characters go to mm-hmm. high school and they're they're working at a job like it's a little more i feel like a little more easy to connect with than maybe some other anime a little more grounded start yeah so it's, i think it's a good first start but um mm-hmm. uh but uh, anyway mike what is your number one 
Okay, well, uh, I mean, this this is likely to be I'm not not controversial per se, but like mm-hmm. you could argue on some objective level that this is actually the weakest of the five rather than being the strongest. So a bit like you with your name, this film's in number one purely for personal reasons. Uh, Wreck It Ralph. Okay. Wow, yeah. I would have never picked Wreck It uh, Ralph. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What is I, it I mean, you love I mean, about? Re- it's hard to say. I mean, uh, a lot of it is sometimes a film just really personally connects with you in a way, and and you're not sure why. Even if you can, even if you can admit it's not as great. Like, don't get me wrong. I still do honestly believe it's a nine out of ten, but like probably a weaker nine out of ten or ten out of ten than the rest of the films on this list. So, uh, uh, uh. As I say, uh, some sometimes you know it's just the characters that connect with you. Some something about Ralph and and Vanellope's journey just uh, and and their characters just uh, hits all the right notes for me. Even if I can see in some aspects, like for instance, I met I've have met people that like almost everything about this film, but just don't warm up to Vanellope. Uh, and I suppose in some aspects, like she starts out as the sort of screechy, snappy, hyperactive child that you know just won't leave you alone, even when you tell her to go away at Ralph's poor expense. So, it's, like in some ways, I'm not able to pinpoint what about the characters it is that strikes me. Like. Like, don't get me wrong, I can't say things I like about them, but I'm not sure what it is that sort of clicks with me. Yeah. I mean, I still do think that in many ways it is a very, very well done film, like the uh, the layers to Ralph's journey in a way that, you know, works for kids, but is uh, intellectually stimulating for adults. All that stuff outside the mountain about having to make the hard choices. Like, even if it turns out King Candy was lying to him, it still reigns true for the journey. And obviously the whole villain cliche surprise villain twist did get overplayed but it does work in this one firstly because well we know king candy is the villain the film never denies that the twist is not that he's the villain but that he's somebody else so that still Mm -hmm. works in that regard and because king candy and turbo still ends up being such a great mirror foil to ralph that's the interesting thing in the film's history like before it's vanellope that he's had all the you know contact with but in the film uh him and king candy and vanellope never interact except for the scene where he's revealed it's only king candy and ralph and it keeps driving home the parallels between them but yeah i can understand why even just talking recent disney films why someone would i can understand why someone would prefer big hero six or why someone would prefer zootopia or just on the princess mm-hmm. films why moana or tangled uh would dig deeper like oh so, so as i say even though i still do honestly believe this film is a, as objectively as great as it is it is in number one for mostly personal reasons again it's the same thing i say with a bug's life it's not their best film but it is my favorite yeah. shoot me you know i think that's great i i mean everybody knows that i have my issues with rick ralph but i mm-hmm. i you know this is a celebration we're talking about and so i i think that uh, i don't hate it i think it it's it's it can be quite funny and i think some of the animation is is beautiful and i think that uh, ralph is a great lead character i think that uh it the whole idea of a guy that that doesn't want to be the bad guy anymore is a really really lovely character arc for him and uh, i think the voice casting was brilliant for john c riley for wreck ralph and uh, uh i love um uh fix it and calhoun i think are really funny and i like them uh as a, they become a couple that's great <laughs> um 
and uh so there's a lot of, there's a, definitely a lot to like about uh record ralph and i can see why it would be your favorite uh ryan what do you think about record ralph i i love certain parts of record ralph like my favorite scene in the whole movie is when is when ralph is falling into the mentos and coke volcano and he knows that that's pretty <laughs> ah. much be his end and he's like and he recites the pledge that has basically been beaten into his brain at the villain AA meetings, as I call them. Like, I'm bad, mm-hmm. but that's good. I'm not good, but that's not bad. It, like, that moment there just yeah. was like, he's finally realizing who he is. But you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's the smaller moments in that movie that I love the most. You come for the video game references, but you stay yeah. for the story. There's a legitimate beating mm-hmm. heart within the story of Wrecked Ralph, yeah. and it and that's something that I do appreciate. I think so. I agree. Uh, well, very good. That's a really good list. Uh, all right, Ryan, what's what's your number one? All right, going back to the Dark Horse Well, and we're going to be paying tribute to the beautiful folks over at Leica Studios, and my number one, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, interesting. Cool. Oh. I have loved this movie since I saw it in theaters and I have not stopped thinking about it since then. Uh, this is by far and away Leica's most beautiful looking movie and this, this is the company that made Coraline and Paranorman which are equally as beautiful. Uh, it has a fantastic story involving you know mythology but also relatable things. It's great voice acting across the board. You have Charlize Theron voicing a monkey and Matthew McConaughey voicing a beetle. It's the casting choice I had no idea I wanted, but then I got it and I absolutely love it. And I have no idea how Travis Knight was able to accomplish this, but he made George Takei sound threatening. Like, (laughs) how was that possible? I still have no idea. Yeah. But what I love the most about Kubo and the Two Strings is just, it has, just the theme of you have to grow up and you have to and you have to just you have to grow up and you have to take things on head on you can't run away from it you have to run face first at it and if it doesn't work then fine but it would it would rather it it would be preferred if you would rather take it head on and fail than just run away from it forever and never confront it i i just like the spirit of that yeah yeah, that's a really interesting choice. I I need to watch this movie again because it's it's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, especially visually, I, it was a dazzling film, uh, absolutely beautiful, and uh, and uh, just especially the sequence where he dives down into the water. That whole uh, was just so beautiful. Uh, they could get water like that with the stop motion and in the way they were able to it, it's it, it's a really interesting choice for sure i i yeah like a i wasn't a huge fan honestly of their movie last year but i but i've loved almost every movie that they have made i i love Coraline and paranorman and i mean they just had this such a beautiful uh, visual style and uh, and really offer very pure characters who uh, it's easy to easy to connect with 
uh, and whether it's Norman or Coraline or <laughs> I think they do a good job, especially with their lead characters. So, what do you think of Kubo, um, Mike? Oh, uh, well, it is, uh, that, this is another film that I haven't seen in a while and I do need to rewatch. So mm. thank you for that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like, obviously, you know, I'm an animation buff. I like Laika as much as the next person, even if a lot of their work doesn't, it doesn't sort of penetrate me the way, uh, you know, Ardman's work does, even if, I guess what I'm saying is like, even when I love their films, sometimes they, they don't, you know, you know keep me awake at night the way a wallace and gromit or a chicken runner or sean the sheep does mm -hmm. and i suppose another thing is that i think i for a long while i believed their films seemed to be diminishing like they went from Caroline, which i thought was a near masterpiece to a uh, paranorman which i thought was great to box trolls which i found goodish but goodish but i'm starting to be alarmed at the decline quality but then this one comes back and it's right back up there with Caroline. also it the other three films were all vaguely children's horror stories, whereas uh, that one, I mean, there's still a bit of that in there, but mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's not, a, a, you know, a horror genre film the way the other three were. Yeah. So it was a very interesting shift of direction in that aspect. Kubo's more of an adventure story with some horror yeah, of course. in there, yeah. especially from the Moon King. Sheesh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Very interesting. In, uh, in many ways, if you, in many ways, it, it feels like uh, the closest thing we'll get to an animated Legend of Zelda film, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what everyone keeps telling me. I tell them I like Kubo, and when I describe it, they're like, oh, so like Legend of Zelda. I'm like, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. I really like, let's quick go over our five picks. Uh, so mine was uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and then Inside Out, Tangled, Song of the Sea and your name, and uh, Mike, what what was yours? Uh, so fifth was Shaun of the Sheep. Fourth was Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Third was How to Train Your Dragon. Second was Inside Out, and first was Wreck It Ralph. Great. And then Ryan, yours. My number five was The Adventures of Tintin. My number four was Rango. Number three was Inside Out. Number two was Into the Spider-Verse. And number one was Kubo and the Two Strings. Great. Well, I love our lists. And I think we can safely say that the Inside Out and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse were the two, two best of the cumulative. It was on all three of our lists. So those are the two best of the decades. Yeah. I think that was pretty two solid, two, two solid choices. So thank you guys so much for coming and doing this. This was really fun. And I, I really enjoy talking about these with you. And so Mike, where can people find you on social media and your channel and everything? Okay, so my channel's name is Cartoon Karma. You can find it on YouTube, obviously, and on Facebook. Uh, and then on Twitter, it's Toon Karma. So yeah, that, that's where I'll show up. Great. And Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel. Uh, just go to YouTube and search Ryan Cam or Ryan Cam Movie Reviews. I normally appear at the top of the search bar when you do that. But on my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's Ryan Cam 20. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, all over the place. So check that out. And, uh, and please subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. 
and uh really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about this and we'll have to get together and and uh, uh have uh, talk about animation again again soon so really appreciate it and uh have a great uh beginning of your happy new year <laughs> so all right we'll talk to you all later bye <laughs>